Ma Corona. No, not the song, the ridiculous virus. So this is the first free roam rant where I'm going to rant just on a single topic without any prepared uh, previously typed script. Usually I try to stick to a script because it helps me keep on course, whereas I have a habit of going off on random tangents. So this one is about Ma Rona. I first heard about my coronavirus way back in the early 90s. And the reason why I heard about it is because the local university in my hometown had got the internet. Now, my parents refused to get it for many years, mostly because they're a little bit backwards when it comes to adopting new technology. So I used to go to the university library just so that I could sign up to use the internet for a while. And one of the very first things I discovered was how the Defense Department had inexplicably digitized a whole bunch of documents and put them online for free to anybody to look at. Now, at this time, I was already well interested in military history, despite the fact I was only like 12 or 13 years old. And so I started reading all the stuff that I could find. And one of these was an U.S. Army white paper. And if you don't know, a white paper is the government tends to release what they call papers. Now, each one, this is based originally off of the British, where the government would release different types of papers. And each different type of paper would have a different colored cover sheet. And originally, the cover sheet for papers that were mostly uh, related to research things or Defense Department research things were covered with a white-colored cover paper. Other types of papers were yellow papers, which were papers that the government would release, usually about government policy or future government plans on policy and how to reform law and whatnot, stuff like that. They would often be released on a little booklet with the canary yellow cover page. They also released blue papers, which were the same thing, except for they would cover usually um, tr transportation or like things like infrastructure and it would be a detailed plan on infrastructure plans, and they would be prefaced with a blue-colored cover page. Anyways, the U.S. government, like with many things, stole a lot of stuff and a lot of ideas from the British and directly incorporated into the government, and one of those things is white papers. So when the U.S. government is researching something, it often releases a paper that is cover-sheeted by a white uh, a white cover sheet, and it will cover, you know, usually something to do with research. Anyways, getting off track a little bit here. This paper that I was reading was a Defense Department paper, and I think it was released, I want to say, sometime between 1968 and 1973, and it was all about using a coronavirus from the corona family of respiratory viruses to conquer a small country. It didn't say which country they planned on conquering, but it implied that they were going to conquer a small Latin American country by releasing a rep respiratory virus against the country and making everybody just sick enough that the U.S. Marines could land and stage a hostile takeover of the entire country. It was implied like it would be an island country, something like, you know, Haiti or maybe the Dominican Republic, that sort of thing. And within five days... 
everybody would be conquered, but they would also be recovering from the sickness and they would basically be climbing out of their sick bed to find a fait accompli where the United States was already in control, already had installed a new government and probably would already be on its way out. Well, I found this very interesting because what a clever way to conquer a country. Firstly, basically you give everybody a flu that's just bad enough that they're just sick enough that they, all they want to do is lie in bed, coughing and moaning and wanting to die. And when they get better, as their bodies naturally do, because most flus have a very high survival rate, they climb out of bed to find, oh, look, their corrupt little country now has a new corrupt little government. Now, what's really interesting about this is that all of the early studies of this all come from the U.S. Army. Everything to do with respiratory viruses, all their research originally seems to have started mostly with the British and with the U.S. Army, in particular with the U.S. Army and the British Army around 1916-1917. In fact, I would directly argue that the 1917 influenza virus was actually a biological attack that was staged by the Anglo Americans as a test to see how a virus evolved in real time when used as a biological weapon and to see if it could be controlled and to see how dangerous it was. Now, although officially, according to the U.S. government, their biological warfare research program didn't officially begin until 1943, but I think that's bullshit. I think they've had one at least since 1917 consistently but they only made it official and borderline declassified, i.e. publicly acknowledged, in 1943. Now, what happened in 1943 was a small airfield was originally used for uh, World War I aviation training, then was converted into a civil airfield during the 1920s and 30s, and then in the early part of the run-up to World War II, the U.S. government started using it for training pilots again, but then they realized that they needed somewhere that was close to D.C. and close to the Edgewood Arsenal, which is also close to D.C., where they that was isolated where they could do tests on biological and chemical warfare. And the reason for this is because they started witnessing all the Japanese experiments with Unit 531 in China, where they were trying to weaponize various things, ranging from salmonella to the bubonic plague to uh, botulism, in order to basically defeat their enemies. So, in... 1942-1943, the decision was made to turn the small airfield from an airfield into a biological research station and chemical warfare research station in order to give the United States supposedly the capacity to defend itself, its soldiers, and its citizens from biological or chemical attack. But in reality, this was set up for only one purpose, and that purpose was to create offensive biological weapons. Now, what's really interesting about Fort Detrick is the very first commander was a, a lieutenant colonel known as William S. Bacon. Note the rank, lieutenant colonel. And yes, I know you Americans pronounce it lieutenant, but I'm not American. So I'm going to pronounce it the way that it's traditionally pronounced. Not only was he a lieutenant colonel, but he was also a bacon of the Peerage Bacons. Now, I haven't actually bothered to look into his genealogy yet, but really the coincidence of finding a bacon in charge of such a base 
right at the beginning, that that's just too much. Especially if you know, as I do, that later on, this base became the original base for Project Bluebird. Now, if you don't know, Project Bluebird was begun, well, they officially claim in 1946-47, but I believe it was much earlier than that, probably at least as early as 1942. And this was a project begun in Allied Mind Control to see if it was possible to use various types of drugs, such as LSD, to more or less control a human mind against their will. Now, Bluebird ramped up later into Artichoke, which basically saw the U.S. Army and the U.S. Navy colluding with the CIA and the OSS, as it was originally called, to basically drug people against their will without their knowledge just to see what would happen, just to see if they could find a drug that would do stuff that they would find useful. So, for example, one of the things they wanted to find was a truth serum, and another thing they wanted to find was a drug that was capable of incapacitating large numbers of people without seriously injuring them. So, for example, if you had a large Soviet army or a large North Korean army invading somewhere you didn't want them to invade, you could just fly a jet over and bomb them with some kind of chemical warfare with a drug that would make them all so happy and so stoned that who, who the hell would care about invading a country at that point? Now, another really interesting thing is the very first head researcher of all of the chemical and biological warfare stuff that was being carried on illicitly at Fort Detrick was George W. Merck of the Merck family, which you may recognize from Merck Pharmaceuticals, one of the biggest big pharma companies in history. Now, I don't know if you know much about George W. Merck, but he was not a good man. He was a very evil man, and if you want to know more, you should look him up. But George W. Merck and some OSS guys that he knew during World War II brought in Dr. Death, as he was later known. A Jewish doctor named Sidney Gottlieb, whose name directly seems to translate to God, God love, or love of God maybe, in German. And he was a Jew from New York City who had, his family had fled from Hungary from persecution because the Jews in Hungary had done some pretty awful things to Hungarians, historically speaking. And so they were driven out and they ended up where most of them do in New York City. And he basically spent his entire life studying, basically, pesticide, or the first part of his life seemed to be he was studying soil conditions and pesticides for the U.S. government. Or at least that's the official story. Anyways, this guy, he's so evil that he was actually called Washington's official poisoner because he was constantly proposing that the United States government poison everybody from Patrice Luambaba, that uh, corrupt dictator in Africa, to good old Fidel Castro, the American agent himself. Now, the interesting thing about Ma Corona in regards to this is that not only is Fort Detrick the original base for mind control experiments that the CIA illegally conducted, it's also the original base for all kinds of different nasty biological and chemical toxins, such as, uh, what was it called, the Samaya toxin? I forget how to pronounce it, but it was a toxin derived from fish, and it's one of the most uh, potent neurotoxins that humans have ever found in nature. And 
they actually illegally, despite the government telling them to destroy all their samples, they actually kept illegally a, a nice sample of that that had, I think it was uh, something like three or four grams, and it was said to be enough to kill 55,000 people because that's how toxic it was. Anyways, this guy also uh, researched things like HIV and how to weaponize SIV, which if you don't know, is the original version of HIV it, that we got from weaponizing it from monkeys, uh, simian immunodeficiency virus. He also helped weaponize Ebola, which if you don't know, is a very nasty disease that basically makes you and every cell in your body bleed to death. Uh, you really don't want to look into that one, trust me. He also invented several different patents uh, or head research projects invent for him several different patents ranging from the very nasty microwave gun that the CIA invented back in the 60s, which basically allows the user to make the target hear their voice as if it was the voice of God inside their head. Very nasty weapon. He also helped the CIA invent a weapon capable of firing an ice dart that contained a neurotoxin in it. And when it hits you, what would happen is the ice dart would hit and go inside your body and release the neurotoxin. And then your body's heat would melt it. So it was undetectable as a projectile. And somebody would just die of what looked like a heart attack, but was actually a poisoning. Now, he also did a lot of work in using various respiratory viruses for various things, and he also did a lot of work with doing things such as creating front organizations to approach hospitals, offering them thousands of dollars to participate in what they were told was a research project, but in reality was basically large doses of LSD being given to people without their consent. So let's move on. So... One of the most interesting things about this in regards to now and our current pandemic of the last two years is several years ago, and you can look this up, I believe it was in uh, early 2019 or late 2018, there was an art outbreak of a large respiratory virus at a small uh, area around Fort Detrick, in particular at a nursing home where a number of nursing home victims all came down with the same extremely virulent uh, supposedly SARS strain. Now this coincided with uh, several reports in the media and from the government where the fort was actually investigated and uh, found to be in violation of quite a number of things, mostly in involving safety procedures for decontamination and making sure that the extremely nasty toxins that they researched that could literally instantly kill you didn't escape from the lab. What they found was that on at least several occasions, there were many, many, many opportunities for such to escape from the lab, including respiratory viruses like SARS-CoV-2. <clears throat> Note that SARS has been studied at Fort Detrick since before it was even called SARS. Now, interestingly enough, that the U.S. Army cycling team also coincidentally is based at Fort Detrick, and they also coincidentally, around that same time, had an outbreak of illness. And around that same time, guess where they went? That's right, they went to Wuhan, China to participate in some kind of military sports competition. 
And what it looks like to me is somebody at Fort Detrick discovered that, oops, we done fucked up and we accidentally released the virus into the wild and let's go clean it up. And somebody else said, no, 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 just wait. It's not a bad virus. Let's see what happens. Let's see where it goes. Let's see how it mutates. Let's see how fast it spreads. And if it does any of those things well, we can use it as a weapon against the peasants because there's nothing more the U.S. government loves more than fear porn. And so that's probably what happened. They probably told the Chinese government outright, we're going to run this test. And the Chinese government being uh, nothing more than a corporation owned by the same British bank that owns the U.S. government didn't have a choice in the matter and probably didn't give a crap anyways and has its own research in the matter and probably wanted to see what would happen. And so it agreed to turning Wuhan into the supposed epicenter of this outbreak, which it wasn't. Fort Detrick in Maryland was. Let's be very clear on this. The next thing you need to note about this is that it seems like the U.S. Army patented this way back in the early 70s, patented several nasty things, and then either sold or gave these patents directly to the Rockefeller Foundation. And among these are a patent for a SARS respiratory virus, a patent for a COVID respiratory virus, a patent for Ebola, a patent for HIV, and a patent for several other things. And it's interesting to note that after I told a bunch of people online to go look this up, the Rockefeller Foundation took that page off their website. Now, the next thing you should know is that the Noahide religions love more than anything to have a physical mark of a sign of submission. Now, in the past, what this often was, was they would make people wear some kind of head covering or some kind of face covering, like a veil, you know, like Muslims make women do today. Now, if you look on the box of your little face diaper, for all of you who are into the fear porn, it says right on the box of these little paper masks that they do not have the required particle size to stop a virus. That means that they're useless for the what they're being sold to you as which means that all they're being really used for is to mark which ones of you are weak-minded, virtue-signaling cowards who would rather show your submission to the Noahide Abrahamic filth than to stand up for what's right morally and for what's right scientifically. And what you don't seem to understand is this is just a lead-up to something. It's not what it in itself isn't anything by itself, if that makes sense. It is a run-up to something. And what this is a run-up to, this whole vaccine passport thing, is it is the first step to social credit. And a social credit system, which inherently in and of itself is not either a bad or a good thing, in this case will be used to usher in permanent technological feudalism. Now, note that they've been talking about using a coronavirus to conquer a country and using social credit to run a country since at least since the early 70s. And also note that during this time in the West, not only did they put up a whole bunch of brand new 5G cell towers, but they started a whole bunch of different experiments in various places for what they call a universal living wage. In other words, permanent welfare for everyone except for the most useful. So in other words, they're going to have a small number of people slaving to support everybody else while automating everything else that they won't need to pay the slaves anymore. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm totally a proponent of automation because 
frankly, nobody should be a slave for the aristocracy. But putting people on permanent welfare is not how you solve slavery. It's just a different type of slavery. So, some things for you to look up. Look up why the U.S. Army and a private organization like the Rockefeller Organization own biological weapons as patents. Look up Fort Detrick and its history and the creepy history it has in basically pure incompetence in dealing with the most toxic substances short of nuclear material that humanity has ever dealt with. And your last thing to research is why do you allow the U.S. government to run millions of experiments on millions of people without their consent and then think that the government in this pandemic ever had your best interests in, at heart or in mind. And the last thing you need to research is why do all the pharmaceutical companies have legal protections against harming people when we have the technology to create personal vaccines that are tailored to the biological biochemistry of each individual instead of this bullshit one-size-fits-all. One-size-fits-all has been proven not to work or to be effective, and it needs to stop, especially of all things in medicine and in food. It's time for everybody to stand up and say, I don't want to be poisoned anymore. Don't poison me anymore. And until everybody does that, it's not going to happen. And until everybody does that, the world is continuing to look more and more and more like the Oblongs cartoon from the 90s.